0: Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, again we thank you for the opportunity to turn to your Word and to sit at the authority of your Word and listen to its teaching through your Son, Jesus Christ. Speak to us this day, Heavenly Father, by your Spirit and help us to behold wondrous things from your Word. For Christ's sake. Amen. This morning we're going to turn to this passage from John chapter 13, verses one 1- to 17, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Picture the scene, they're in the upper room, it's before the Passover feast. That's the celebration the Jews had annually to remember and celebrate the release of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. But Jesus is going to, as we know, turn this Passover meal into the initiation and institution of what we call the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion service. So the disciples have gathered in the upper room, they're preparing the meal, and they are waiting for it to be served. And it tells us in John chapter 1, John chapter 13 verse 1, sorry. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world, to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. This verse brings out several themes to us. First of all, it says, Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world. The time or the hour, that's an important phrase in John's Gospel. It appears several times. Up until chapter 12, verse 23, it had never been the hour or the time, Jesus said. But then in chapter 12, verse 23, when Jesus was already in Jerusalem, he was able to say, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He knew the time had come for the judgment of this world, he said in John chapter 12. So Jesus' time has now come. And he realizes here, and John recounts it, Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world. Jesus knew the time had now come for him to accomplish the purpose for which he'd come into the world, to go and die on the cross for our sins and salvation. Hebrews chapter 12 says, who for the joy set before him, that's Jesus, endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew the time had come for to complete his mission. In Philippians chapter 2, we remember how we read about Jesus, uh, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, being found in appearance as a human being. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus Christ had left the glory of heaven, the glory and splendor and honor, the place of worship and authority. He'd come to this world, he'd live as a human being, yet without sin. He'd gone through a trial, tribulation, suffering, opposition, persecution, ridicule, and now he's going to the ultimate suffering of death and loneliness on a cross to sacrifice his life for us. Once he would accomplish that, he knew he'd be returning again to his Father in heaven. So Jesus Christ is very clear about the time had come for him. Then it uses the word, word, phrase world here, time for him to leave this world. It's used 185 times in the New Testament and John uses it in his Gospels, an Epistle and Revelation 105 times. He knew he had loved, his, he had time to leave this world. He had accomplished his purpose. But I, when I am lifted up on the earth, will draw all men to myself. He'd come for the purpose of drawing all people in the world for all generations to himself through his finished work on the cross. He said in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God had so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have an everlasting life. The world, that is the people who live in it, not the created uh, environment we live in, but the people in the world. Jesus Christ had come, to die for them but he also come to leave the world he had lived in the creation he had come he had created you now time to leave it and go back to his father in heaven again and then it says having loved his own in the world he showed them the full extent of his love this means the full extent right to the limit Jesus had always shown the limit of the extent of his love he showed them his love while he was on earth he showed compassion to people while he was on earth. Remember how he fed the five thousand people. It said he had compassion them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them as harassed and helpless and in need of his love and compassion. He had showed that love to those who were uh, needing healing, needing help. He even showed love to this Judas who was going to betray him. Throughout his whole time, from the moment. He had never named Judas, but said there was going to someone betray him. He had always showed love to Judas and given the opportunity to repent of the sin he was going to commit. He had showed love to this proud Peter, who was always impetuous and speaking and engaging his mouth before he used his brain. He had showed love for many people, yet that was not the full extent of his love. The full extent of his love was now going to be the cross where he would show the ultimate love for all of us in sacrificing his life for us, for a rebel world that didn't care about Jesus Christ, yet he came to die and save that world, even for Judas, who didn't love really Jesus at all in his life. It is said, love is not an emotion as much as it is an attitude, an attitude that results in action. Jesus had more than an emotional love. He had a deep heartfelt love for people and he showed it by his words, but also more importantly by his actions and the ultimate action of death on the cross. Dean Ortland says, "We ugly ones could be beautified, pardoned, acquitted, forgiven. Our heaven through his hell, our entrance to love through his loss of it. That is what love to the end meant." Actions, it said, speak louder than words, and Jesus' actions spoke louder than his words though words are important that we love him and love one another the hymn oh the deep deep love of jesus expresses it this way oh the deep deep love of jesus vast and measured bound us free he loves us ever loves us changes never never more he died to save his loved ones or the hymn hears love vast as an ocean loving kindness as a flood when the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood who his love will not remember we're called in this passage here that jesus loved his own he loved the disciples and he showed them extent of the full extent of his love love to the limit to the limit of going to the cross for them and for us the story is told of a young soldier during the reign of Tsar nicholas I of russia who was assigned to look after the the money The young man gambled it away. Then he heard an official was coming to inspect the books. He knew he was in serious trouble. He took it up and realized a large amount was owed. On the page of the finance books, he wrote, A great debt, who can pay? He was ashamed. He decided after midnight that he would kill himself. Tsar had the habit. Of dressing up as an ordinary soldier and mingling among the troops and he did it that night and he went searching for the young soldier who looked after the books he found him asleep in one of the back rooms and he saw the account book and the note beside the account book which said great debt who can pay he took the pen lying on the desk and he wrote his own name Nicholas at the bottom of the note and the question on the note. When the soldier startled by the noise of Nicholas leaving the barracks, woke up and he saw the signature on the bottom of the note. He ran to the files that he had and he saw that the signature was genuine. It was actually the Tsar himself. The Tsar had been there and he had written that note in his own name, and he could pay the debt. The soldier said, the Tsar has been here tonight. He knows all my guilt, yet he has undertaken to pay my debt. I need not die. That's the case for us. Jesus has showed us the utter extent of his love. We were in debt to God because of our sin. Yet God, in his love and mercy, showed his love by sending Christ into the world. Paul says this way in Galatians, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are called to live a life of faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in response to his great love, the full extent of his love, and sacrifice his life on the cross. Christ's love for you and me took him to that cruel cross. He took the punishment we deserved upon ourselves. He took the place we rightfully deserved to be in. Who can pay our great debt? Jesus Christ has paid it by His love, by dying on the cross. But also in this passage here, we see the humility of Jesus Christ. Paul had said in Philippians chapter two, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus' life had been a life of humility. His birth, his family life was humble—a carpenter's son. He'd lived a life of humility on earth. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, he said. He lived life humbly. He died humbly on a cross. He was even buried in a borrowed tomb. And here, Jesus Christ shows the full extent of not only his love, but his humility. We read here how Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power. The time had come for him to return to his Father. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. Afterward that he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, the rabbi, the Lord and teacher, here he was doing something which no uh, such person in such a privileged position would ever do. You see in Eastern tradition, the roads are dusty and dirty. A bowl of water was always at the door of the host's house for the travellers, the guests, when they arrived. One of the servants would have taken off the guest's sandals and another would have washed their dusty feet. And here Jesus was showing what the lowest servant in the house would have done for the arriving guest. He, who was the Lord and Master, went and did the most lowly task and was going to be a practical demonstration of what he was going to do on the cross. He was going to show how he was the lowest servant, the Lord of all creation. And yet he went to the lowest and causiest of deaths. He became a criminal. He was crucified and died on a cross. He was obedient to death, Paul death on a cross. He went to the lowest place. He became a curse for us. Condemned, though he was innocent, condemned as a criminal and so Jesus washing with his feet to his disciples uh, demonstrates what he he's about to do he was going to go to the lowest of places for them his death on the cross Jesus was setting them an example of what they should do they should be humble like him you call me teacher and Lord rightly so for that is what I am now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you should also wash another's feet I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus was showing them that even though he was their master, he became their servant. As he said one time, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His a life as ransom for many. Jesus Christ came as the Messiah not uh, to be a political deliverer, but a deliverer from our sin. And he would do that through serving us by his death on the cross. You see, He wasn't proud. Jesus was humble, humble in obedience to his Father's will, humble to his obedience on the cross. There was no pride in Jesus' life, unlike that of Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? We can often be full of pride. Pride to accept help when needed. Pride not to admit we are wrong. And pride can stop us admitting we are sinners. Only Jesus can save us. Remember the parable of the Pharisee and the publican? Jesus told the Pharisee stood in a place of public uh, mention and a place where people could notice him. And he told God what a wonderful person he was. And what he did, he even compared himself to the publican and said he was not like him. And he thanked God he wasn't. Yet we read how the publican stood in a corner, out of the public gaze, with his head bowed, and said, "God be merciful to me, a sinner." Who was humble? Publican, wasn't it? Because he admitted what he was. He wasn't proud like the Pharisee. And Jesus said, at the end of the parable, the publican went home justified before God. He was made right before God because he acknowledged his sin. Yes, Jesus did something. He was humble, humble and obedient to his death on the cross, and he showed this by washing the disciples feet, serving them, even though he was the Lord and Master, the teacher, the rabbi whom they had always looked up to, he humbled himself to a very menial, humble task, a picture of his humble, uh, menial, and terrible death upon a cross. We too are called to humble ourselves, to admit we to are sinners, not to be full of pride, which stops us from coming to faith in Christ and admitting our sins. Believe only Jesus Christ can save us through his death, confess, repent of our sins, and then lead a new life of love of God and all those around us, and humble, obedient service for God and Jesus Christ to those who are around us. Remember, Jesus was rich, yet for your sakes, Paul says, he became poor, so that you may, through your poverty, become rich towards God. We are poor in debt to God because of our sin. Yet we become rich because our debt is paid. The books are cleared because Jesus Christ, who was rich in sinlessness, became poor and took our sin upon himself in a humble death on the cross. So Jesus' uh, act here of humility in this practical demonstration showed us humility in going to the cross for us. Then he offers us service. He serviced the needs of these people. The hymn we'll be listening to uh, shortly. The Servant King in our hymn books tells us about Jesus Christ, the one who flung the stars into space, yet in his hands were impaled with nails and became humble and obedient to death on a cross. Jesus served us. He served the needs of mankind for all eternity. Remember, I said a few moments ago that verse, and repeat it again because I think it's important that we always get these verses of Scripture into our minds. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give us our life as a ransom for many. He came to serve the needs of mankind, the need for mankind to be forgiven his sins and to have new life in Jesus Christ. He also showed us that we were to serve others uh, he said as i have done this for you i've set an example that you should know if i have done for you jesus tells his disciples that they are to serve him and to serve other people the needs of other people in the world around us we can show god's love in a practical way by helping those who are in need in matthew chapter 25 when jesus spoke about the separation of the sheep and the goats he says of uh, those who help those who are in need the hungry the thirsty the stranger the needy closed and the sick in prison he said uh, that I tell you the truth whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me you see we have to remember we need to look at the world through Jesus eyes not through our eyes we need to look at the world that Jesus has compassion for those who are in need in physical terms and in spiritual terms and as we serve them then we are serving jesus christ we should be living our lives to the honor and glory of jesus christ being humble and admitting we are unworthy servants only what jesus christ has done for us and we should serve him with our lives with our words and with our deeds then lastly we see here forgiveness jesus took this bowl of water and he washed the disciples feet and then he dried them. This wasn't just uh, washing for the sake of doing it. As he said, it was a demonstration of uh, humility and of service, but also it was a demonstration of forgiveness. Dirt on our bodies or dust on our feet uh, needs to be washed off, doesn't it? And so Jesus' action showed here that when he wash, wanted to wash say, the dust of the disciples' feet, is washing away the dust of sin from our lives. Just as water removes dirt or dust from our bodies. So Jesus here is speaking of the sin in our lives that needs to be cleansed and to be removed. The scriptures tell us the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins, as water cleanses dust or dirt from our bodies. So Jesus' blood shed on the cross cleanses us from all sin. Peter yes here was naturally shocked that he was our Lord and teacher wanting to be doing something humble that a servant did, a menial task. And he said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replies, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will never have no part with me. Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head, as well. Jesus replied A person who has a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. It seems a strange discussion, doesn't it? But Peter is too proud to admit he needs Jesus uh, to wash his feet. He is too proud to admit that there was things wrong in his life they need forgiveness for. But then Peter realizes the command of Jesus Christ if you don't let me wash your your feet then you've no part of me Jesus is saying we need to acknowledge when we've done wrong in our lives sins we need to ask God and Jesus Christ for forgiveness he says here when he talks about the person having a bath he's reminding the disciples that they already were clean because they were disciples they only needed cleansing as we from the sins that they continue to do after they were his followers, just like the dust on our feet. When we have a bath, our bodies are clean, but yet we can go and do something and our hands become dirty again. We need to clean them from the dirt that's on our hands. We don't need to wash our whole bodies, only the dirt that's on our hands. So in our lives, we need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We need to have that bath to have our sins cleaned. And then we need to come daily because we are still apt to do sin and do wrong. We are cleansed from the dirt of sin in our lives by the blood of Jesus Christ. The power and penalty of sin are removed, but the presence of sin is still there. Paul said, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. Yes, we still have the presence of sin in our lives. We are pardoned when we turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of our sins and find new and eternal life. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they never perish, no one can pluck them out of my hand. Our certainty and assurance of salvation is found when we humbly come before Christ, admit our sins, ask Jesus Christ to forgive them, believe only he can forgive them. When we do that, we are assured that we have overcome the power of sin and death in our life just as Jesus Christ did but then daily we can sin we can be tempted we can fall into sin we need to daily turn to Christ for his cleansing and forgiveness for those sins those sins of thought word and deed which we let Jesus down by so Jesus Christ here showed to Peter the proud Peter that he needed to admit there was things were wrong in his life but you need to realise he was a disciple. He really was forgiven. But he need Jesus cleansing daily in his life. And as I come towards the end of these few thoughts this morning, we're reminded in this passage about the love of Jesus Christ, the humility of Jesus Christ, his service and the forgiveness he offers to us. Perhaps I could turn to some words uh, which uh, were used by Her Majesty the Queen in a couple of her Christmas broadcasts will remind us how important it is that we serve Jesus Christ the King of Kings. When she was 90 years old there came a book out about the servant uh, Queen and the King she serves. We are very much aware and the Queen in many of her broadcasts of her uh, mentioning of her faith in Christ. And she says these in the 2008 Christmas broadcast, I hope that like me, you'll be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who in the circumstances of adversity, managed to live out out an outgoing, unselfish and sacrificial life. He makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than being served. We can surely be grateful that 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, so many of us are able to draw inspiration from his life and message and to uh, trust him as a source of strength and courage. Only a few acknowledged Jesus Christ when he was born. Now billions follow him. The message of Jesus is never out of date and is needed as much as ever. In 2017 she said billions of people now follow his teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives I am one of them that's our Queen who has been humbled to admit and though she is sovereign over our nation that she needs Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour could you say the same could you say that Jesus Christ is the one you find your inspiration and guiding light in life Can you today say that the servant king is your king, and you serve the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, for his love, his service, and his humility here on earth, that love, service, and humility which led him to the cruel cross and the suffering and loneliness and rejection there. And we thank you that through the cross, he is victorious over sin and death, and he offers us forgiveness, new and eternal life. May we know him as King of our lives and serve him as our Lord and Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen.